0: Hello, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis. I am your host, Caleb Verzak, and uh, today, well, hey, <laughs> sorry, everybody. It's been over a week since I, uh, I dropped by, but uh, holidays, am I right? I didn't really feel like recording with uh, family and such around, but uh, I'm going to try and hit a bunch of things today. Unfortunately, you may have guessed by now, considering that uh, uh, by the time the next episode comes out. Bowl season's pretty much already going to be done. We're going to be, you know, rolling into the playoffs. Uh, it'll be Tuesday, I guess. So I won't have any idea how the um, how the full slate of playoff games had gone. But by the time it all comes up uh, and this next episode comes out on Tuesday, you will already have a pretty good idea of who's going to be in the national championship game. I would Truthfully, forget the schedule of the playoff games. I think they're both on Monday, uh, but yeah, don't hold me to that. Um, that being said, you know may, maybe maybe I push it push things back to a, a Wednesday Friday format or or some shit like that. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. I'm playing a little loosey goosey with the uh, the timeline here on the old uh, episode release. Obviously, though, uh, gonna be uh, gonna be kind of jumping around today. I'm not really gonna do a whole um, look through of the slate from last week. I'll just be kind of uh, hitting some treetop stuff. I got some notes written down on the old phone here that'll probably get me to do about an hour or so, and then kind of look at uh, what bowl season has been so far. Um, kind of just dropped off the face of the earth when it comes to college football. Unfortunately, it's it's hard to keep up when you're talking about. Um, all the guys that are opting out for uh, transfer portal all the guys that are opting out for the NFL it's just it's a whirlwind it's a whirlwind to say the least so we'll probably hit it, hit that a little bit uh, towards the end but try to keep this uh, fairly concise so uh yeah we'll, we'll start with week 16 after I get uh, a quick gigantic gulp of, of caffeinated uh beverage here because boy it was it was a long day of work kids long day of work but give me just a second here Oh, goodness, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I feel it coursing through my veins as we speak. Yep. Had to clear out a little bit of gas there. But, uh, yeah, let's just kind of go through this here. Um, Week 16, obviously, in the NFL. A lot of stuff happening. Uh, Amari Cooper is out tonight, and I already bet on the Browns, so... The, the cold streak continues, folks. The cold streak continues. I've gone ice cold in the NBA bets. So, yeah, we are were, we we're hanging on by a thread right now. But you know what? You'll you'll know more than I do how that uh, Thursday night game goes as I'm recording this a uh, full hour and a half before uh, kickoff time here. But, uh, yeah, go Cleveland. Go, go Cleveland. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, anyways, on to Week 16 takeaways. Obviously... Got to start with the biggest game of the week, something that may be a Super Bowl matchup. We'll hit that uh, point in just a second here, but uh, actually, no, hold on. Give me a second. First and foremost, Dolphins and Cowboys. I figured I'd hit that right off the bat because that's the one that came first chronologically. I can't read, though, apparently, so uh, here we go. Uh, Dolphins, Cowboys, they're both just solid teams. Dolphins' run game is what the the real... uh, goodness gracious. What really puts them uh, in the mix, though, brain fried right now. Sorry about that. But yeah, you guys know what I'm saying. Um, Honestly, that matchup, you may remember how it ended. Uh, Dak drives the Cowboys all the way down the field, gets a score to put them ahead, and then uh, Tua and the entire Dolphins offense gets them down the field. The running game with with Jeff Wilson and... um, uh, who was it? Raheem Mostert? I believe he got his twentieth touchdown of the season. Either twentieth or twenty-first touchdown of the season, uh, got them in position at the end of the game. Really, even more so than Tua. Tua made some throws. Make no mistake about it. But that running game absolutely put the game away. Uh, Jason Sanders hits the hits the field goal with zeros on the clock. Uh, they get the win. Fantastic game there, as a as a night I believe that was on Sunday. Maybe it wasn't a nightcap, or maybe it was a. Uh, Uh, I don't, I don't remember. (laughs) Maybe it was an afternoon game. I think it was actually an afternoon game. Uh, but the night game was Patriots Broncos. And I guess I just, just, just blocked that completely out of my memory. We'll get to that one here in just a second. Don't you worry. Um, excuse me, not the game as a whole, but fallout from that game. I'm sure you've heard some news on that, but one thing at a time, one thing at a time. I mean, these dolphins, They proved a lot to me just by beating the Cowboys. Uh, But the way they did it, especially on that last drive, I think the main question that I think a lot of people had after last season, maybe not a lot of people, but certainly me, was um, the run game looked nice when he used it. But he, Mike McDaniel simply got away from it too much. You know, first-year uh, coordinator sort of play-caller woes, these things will happen. Sometimes you just lose yourself in the game, and next thing you know, you've thrown like 20 straight passes or 18 passes to two runs. These things happen from time to time. No, no worries. All you have to do is continue to improve on that. Mike McDaniel did improve on that, and there were times where uh, you go up against the Bills, didn't quite work out so well, the uh, the, the greatest show on turf 2.0 uh, didn't quite go so well when they played the Bills early on in the season, then you play the, the Chiefs and it didn't quite go so well either, didn't get a win there. You really needed to see down the stretch of this year uh, how you would perform against another great team, they got a chance here against the Cowboys, and what do they do? They win and they do it on the back of the running game down the stretch. Absolutely, no question in my mind, uh, if they get stopped three straight times, they get one yard or less, the Cowboys can get the ball back with, I mean, at least like 40 seconds left, I think, just based on uh, the math there at the end. Um, But the the fact of the matter is, Mostert and Jeff Wilson just put this damn game away down the stretch. They just got a couple first downs. Next thing you know, they're running the clock all the way down to zeros pretty much. And Sanders could hit that game-winning field goal with no chance at rebuttal. And that's the shit that you need to do come playoff time. You're not always going to get the the prettiest game whatsoever, especially in games where you're dealing with with weather and adversity. And obviously, they're going to probably host at least one playoff game, assuming that they beat the Bills uh, in this final matchup against them. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to go on the road, you're probably going to be going into a hostile environment with cold weather, and when it comes playoff time, when push comes to shove, and it's a close game down the stretch, you need a bucket, so to speak, at the end of the game. Handing it off to the guys in the backfield is probably a surefire way to do it if you can make it happen. And it feels like the Dolphins can make it happen. I, that's that's something that makes me uh, feel really good about this team. Very much in the mix in the AFC. I think they're, they're certainly legit, and I think they kind of proved that uh, against the Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys, I mean, they are solid, I suppose. I still don't really feel any different about them. I would say they're a fantastic home team, and they're going to have to, you know, make up some ground. But they need to win this division when it's all said and done. Um, if they get that home field, at least for the first probably round or two, that'll give them a pretty good chance of going to go into the NFC Championship. Um, but if, I, if they go away from Cowboys Stadium, they go away from Jerry Jerry World. Got zero faith in them whatsoever. And once again, this is fair or not. I've felt this way pretty much throughout the course of the season. No matter how good the cows have, Cowboys have been, talk to me in January when you're doing it in a playoff setting. And uh, if you continue to do it, if you get to an, uh, an NFC Championship, hell, if you get to the divisional round, you have a, a good showing. Uh, you'll you'll be you know vindicated in my book. But you got to show me in January. That's the main thing there. Uh, What else we got? Uh, Ravens officially announced their arrival as the clear head and shoulders favorite coming out of the AFC. Uh, I'm not going to overreact to the Brock Purdy thing, but one thing at a time, the Ravens here, man. I mean, they went on the road across three different time zones, uh, and they put a beat down on what I would still consider the best team in the NFL. Got four interceptions off of of Brock Purdy. Kyle Hamilton is a freak, an absolute freak of nature. Uh, The the dumbass nerds were dissuaded by his combine times, 40 time, yada, yada, yada. Back to the matter is, he's a 6'4 safety that moves like a gazelle and is all over the damn place. The dude flies around. He can come up and hit you. He can drop back in coverage like he did in this one. Really, I would say the one really bad throw that led to an interception for Brock Purdy was the one where Kyle Hamilton just dropped back, uh, took it out of the, the receiver's hands pretty much, uh, down there well, like cut in front of the receiver, you know what I'm trying to say uh, down in the red zone to, to kind of start off the game other than that, which we'll get to in just a second it was a lot of tips, uh, incredible plays, otherwise he actually had another interception that just showed you how much of an absolute freak uh, Kyle Hamilton is but I mean that defense led by Mike McDonald, I mean Players up and down the, the roster, I mean, on the on the front seven, you got guys like Justin Matabuike, uh, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen. I mean, guys up and down the roster pretty much. Marlon Humphrey in the secondary, obviously Kyle Hamilton. And when you got a guy that's as cerebral at calling a defense as Mike McDonald is, I mean, it's gonna give you the best chance possible against a juggernaut of an offense uh, like you see with the San Francisco 49ers. And then on the other side of the ball, I mean, what more is there to say about Lamar Jackson? Probably the MVP front runner right now, which, cool, it it, it changes every week. If Lamar has a bad game and Brock Purdy has another good game this week, which he's going up against a really bad Washington defense, so that's very much possible, uh, Brock Purdy could be the, the odds-on favorite once again. This is just a, a bipolar award. No real need to react to it week by week. It just kind of is what it is. But for now, with that performance that he had against the best team in the NFL on Monday night on a national stage there on Christmas, uh, Lamar Jackson is definitely the, the frontrunner for league MVP. I mean, the best receiving core that Lamar Jackson has ever had, even without Mark Andrews in there. Isaiah likely is has stepped up in a big way since Mark Andrews has went out. Um, Zay Flowers is better than even, I think, any Anyone really thought coming in, he's the legitimate number one receiver in this offense, and he's a, a lightning rod when he is out there. Odell Beckham Jr., maybe not quite the Odell Beckham of old, but still a big play waiting to happen. Rashad Bateman, former first-round pick, he's doing all right in his own right. This Ravens team has solidified, in my mind at the very least, that, I mean, maybe coming into this past week, there wasn't a clear favorite in the AFC, but seeing what they did to the 49ers... It's it's clear in my mind now. It feels like they're gonna be the number one seed. Feels like they're gonna end up running away with that that NFC North, you know, unless the Browns have anything to say about it, but we'll see about that uh down the stretch. It feels like they're gonna have home field advantage, and they're just clearly the best team in the entire conference, Kansas City included, which we'll we'll talk about them in just a bit as well. I can't I can't stop talking about the Ravens, though, uh, before mentioning Todd Munkin. There is a clear difference, and it wasn't quite so clear to start the season. Still, kind of, you know, getting used to each other, kind of feeling each other out as far as Todd Munkin, Lamar Jackson, all the all the talent in this room. But there is a marked difference from what this Ravens offense was last year under Greg Roman, last several years under Greg Roman, really, to what it is now under Todd Munkin. That touchdown where. I think they would—they'd ran a play action or something, or just some sort of misdirection, uh, play design-wise. I mean, scheme someone wide open. Mm-hmm. That's some shit that was not happening. Absolutely was not happening under Greg Roman in previous years. You weren't getting wide open touchdowns like that. You were having to get Lamar Jackson just making spectacular plays to get anything going on offense. That's not the case anymore. You're getting creative play designs. You're getting creative play calling. uh Clear, obvious upgrade uh, from Greg Roman to Todd Munkin. And I think ultimately that, plus the uh, the investment in the receiving core, has put this team over the edge into Super Bowl contention. Kind of what I th- I hoped and thought would happen coming in here ended up being the case. So, uh, yeah, I feel really, really good about the Ravens. I think they're the clear frontrunners in the AFC. As for the 49ers, well, let's start with Brock Purdy, shall we? Four interceptions, talked about it already. His day was cut short because he got a stinger towards the end, and they were already down by two touchdowns with, like, four or five minutes left in the game. I think he wanted to come back in, but Kyle Shanahan rightly was like, okay, let's look at the big picture. We're going to still be 11-4 and four at the end of this thing. Uh, no need to put the season in jeopardy by putting Brock Purdy back out there. We all saw what happened when he wasn't out there. Sam Darnold is, is a good backup at all. I think that's probably what he's going to be uh, throughout the course of the rest of his career. Um, but he's he's not Brock Purdy. We need to protect the franchise right now and you know live to fight another day. Understand that. As far as those four interceptions, though, and I made brief mention to it before, but the first one, terrible throw. I mean, just a bad read. Kyle Hamilton jumps in front of it. He earned that one. That was just a bad throw, flat out. The other three, though, it was uh, tips at the line of scrimmage, which led to um, which led to, to interceptions. I mean, tips in the secondary that led to interceptions. Just incredible plays by guys like Kyle Hamilton as well. A lot of fluky stuff happening there that you're not going to get every time out there. And really, you take away one two of those interceptions this could be a totally different game uh than what it ended up being i don't think the ravens score 30 um if if they don't get those those four interceptions quite frankly so yeah i'm not really i'm not really overreacting to this uh, from either a team standpoint or a Brock Purdy standpoint. M- maybe it hurts his his MVP candidacy, but like I just said, if he comes out throws like four or five touchdowns against a really bad Washington defense, uh, well, meanwhile, Lamar Jackson has a down week. He'll be right back in the driver's seat of this thing. That's just how bipolar uh, this award happens to be. Um, just totally narrative-driven, totally just like, oh, whoa, look at that pretty thing that just happened, uh, sort, of, um, sort of award, so... Not really overreacting to any of that. And, and as a team, you're given a lot of short fields, a lot of turnovers. Again, I think a lot of this comes back to Brock Purdy throwing the four interceptions. It's going to be hard to win when you throw four interceptions. Just ask a good old Nick Mullins over there with the Minnesota Vikings. Whew, we'll get to that here in a bit as well. Um but, yeah, I, I'm not overreacting to this. I'm still holding fast on my Super Bowl pick here. I, I still think uh, they're clearly the best team in the NFL. Definitely need Trent Williams to be healthy. That He went out again um, on that Monday night game with, I believe, a groin uh, for, for at least a little bit. And the offense does not look the same without him. Figures, you lose a Hall of Fame left tackle and it makes things a lot harder uh, to do in this game. Uh, but, yeah, if they have everyone healthy, really if they just have Trent Williams and Debo Samuel healthy, I still feel really strongly about them being head and shoulders better than everyone in the NFC. And I think the, that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are just better than everyone else in the AFC as well. So I people were billing it as a Super Bowl uh, preview uh, coming in. I don't think that was far off. I think we're going to be seeing round two of that uh, hit there in late February, early February, actually, uh, at the end of this season when it's all said and done. But, uh, yeah, from there, let's move on. Well, really, first and foremost, as I'm trying to you know, type in my password and get my phone back up, let me get a quick gulp of this. Not really much more than a gulp left in this. Let's empty out the last little bit. All right. righty, And we'll keep it moving from here. Uh, so, the Christmas Day um, appetizer, if you will. The amuse-bouche, if you will. Um, Chiefs are in trouble, boys and girls. Chiefs are in huge, huge trouble. Um, they lost to the Raiders. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had one really bad pick, six. Jack Jones uh, I guess it wasn't exactly what it looked like. I guess a fan was trying to steal the ball from him. Um, I, he was trying to give the ball to a kid, and looked like he just snatched it away at the last moment, which classic cornerback behavior. I thought it was hilarious. I'm I'm a guy that likes to laugh, and I'm not you know taking myself too seriously. But all oh, sportsmanship and whatnot. Uh, no, I I love I love people just being. Um, Maybe pieces of shit isn't the right way to, to, to phrase it, but, uh, I mean, just, just being kind of scumbags. fun Scumbags in a fun way, obviously. Like, as long as you're not committing serious crimes. Being a scumbag is pretty funny on the football field. So, yeah, I like that. I like that. It's it's on the list of things that Jack Jones has allegedly done over the course of the last couple of years. Um, Doing a pump fake on the kid, handing him a ball after getting a, a pick six. Not the worst one. Not, not nearly the worst one, I would say. So, I... I love that the Raiders are playing really well under under Antonio Pierce, and I maintain that hey, if if Antonio Pierce does not get uh, the full time job, uh, we're gonna riot. We're gonna we're gonna storm Las Vegas. Uh, maybe hit the casino on the way there, but we're gonna make our way over to Mark Davis's house and pick it out in front of it. You know, be nuisances. Uh, Antonio Pierce deserves this damn job. I mean, I believe the the pregame message was something along like. Like hatred, violence, and pain, or something like that. I mean, Merry Damn Christmas, dude. That's that's a that's a Raider through and through. Yeah, give Antonio Pierce the damn job. He deserves it. Probably needed to make some staff changes there because it's still, I mean, entirely holdovers from the Josh McDaniel staff. Um, but he's the guy. He is absolutely the guy. Bring in bring in some a revamped staff for next year. Um, you know, bringing some defenders, maybe some offensive linemen, probably a quarterback too, um, and it should be you know, they should be solid next year. They they were downright terrible under Josh McDaniels, so um, the way they're playing under under Antonio Pierce, um, it's it's very impressive. But as far as the Chiefs are concerned. This is not a game that they should be losing with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. The offensive line is not playing particularly well. It has become more glaring than ever uh, that there is not a soul on that uh, that that receiving core outside of Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey that anyone can trust. Kelsey's getting frustrated, throwing his helmet on the sidelines. I mean, Taylor Swift is pissed up in the stands, absolutely not having a good time. Um, it's just, it's all bad in Kansas city right now. I mean, at least you got a good defense, but I mean, Hey, you got to give the defense some help throughout this thing. I mean, my God, in the second half, I don't think, I don't think Aiden O'Connell got a single passing yard in the second half. He didn't get a single completion in the second half. I don't believe, um, they played exceptionally well on that side of the ball, did the chiefs the offense just was not holding up there under the bargain. I mean, they can't really run the ball very well because there's not much of a threat of the pass. And if you don't have much of a threat with the pass when your quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, you got a real damn issue. And then we don't need to keep harping on this over and over again. But I think I can... I I still hesitate to fully count them out, but they're clearly a, a rung below certainly the Ravens. I'd think they're probably below the Dolphins at this point as far as contenders in the AFC. Hell, I would put them below the Bills right now. The Bills are, I mean, they almost had a hiccup here with the Chargers, not too worried about it. That's a, that's a classic interim head coach bump uh, for a team that had simply given up on Brandon Staley the previous week. So I can forgive that one. You know, you're on the road. Uh, you're looking ahead to the next week. Uh, underst- understandable, understandable. I think the Bills are playing as good as anyone in the AFC right now. The Chiefs are, I mean, maybe fourth on the ladder as far as contenders that I would uh, i would expect to come out of the AFC at this point. And it's just, it's not been that way ever since Patrick Mahomes got to town. Um, I've said it before, I'll say it again here, and then I'll, we'll, we'll keep it moving from that point. Um, wholesale changes are on the way this offseason in the receiving core. I don't know what that looks like, um, if I had to guess, just based on the history of this front office, they're probably not gonna go out and pay big money uh, for a big time number one wide receiver. It doesn't mean they shouldn't. It doesn't mean they shouldn't try to make a run at a guy like Mike Evans in the in the trade market. Though with the way that, that Buccaneers team has been playing, maybe they don't maybe they, they aren't sellers on Mike Evans right now. Maybe they're like, okay, maybe we pay a you know a nice little little discount price for a, a mid-level starting quarterback in Baker Mayfield, and then we just beef up the whole roster from there. Wouldn't blame them on doing that at all, but wholesale changes are coming to that I mean, really just the entire offense there, from from offensive line to receivers. It feels like a revamp is coming uh this offseason because when you got Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback no time to waste. No time to waste whatsoever. Especially when the guy is trying to put together uh, a goat uh, sort of resume. When it's all said and done, that'll be one of the stories to watch this offseason. What do these Kansas City Chiefs do uh, to rectify that situation this offseason? Uh, won't know until we get there. But we move on from here. Um, Browns might be the team that throws the whole AFC for a loop, though. That that's the one. One of those teams that I didn't. Um, I didn't really put out there initially. I mean, the Browns are playing some great football right now. Jay Flacco is just slinging the pill, just absolutely throwing bombs downfield. I mean, Amari Cooper. I think he had a huge, he had a gigantic game in this one. I need to find the actual stat line here. I am, I am entirely sure I scrolled past it uh, at this point. Not sure how I can't find it. Oh yes, there it is. And yeah. Amari Cooper, he did get injured in this one, had a heel injury that ultimately is keeping him out tonight as I'm recording this on Thursday night, but my goodness, 11 receptions, 265 uh, receiving yards, 2 touchdowns, and Jay Flacco had 368, 3 tutties, and 2 INTs. I mean, the guy is just, uh, no holds bar. Just throwing the ball down the field with reckless abandon. He is looking like vintage Joe Flacco just throwing fuck it balls down the field. That beautiful spiral with his cannon of an arm uh, that he's got out there. These Browns, man, they're 10-5. and five. They're definitely, I mean, not I don't want to say definitely. Nothing is definite at this point, but they should be going to the playoffs. They've got the best defense in the entire NFL. Um, and if Joey Flacco can get hot which he has been able to do in the past. You may remember that he had a just blazing hot Super Bowl run when he was with the Ravens that ultimately got him a $100 million contract and people asking whether he was elite. He has been able to get hot before. He's kind of hot right now. He's turning the ball over like a son of a bitch, but my God, he is tossing the ball down the field. I think he's got over 1,300 yards in four games. Dude is slinging the pill. He's playing better than what Deshaun Watson did. If he can get hot in the playoffs, and this Browns defense is allowed to show out uh, the way that they can, I mean, the Browns could fuck up Everyone's day. They could be pissing in wholesale Cheerios uh, come the the postseason time uh, with how this is shaping out right now, man. I mean, tell me one team in the AFC outside of the Ravens, which interdivisional opponent, you got familiarity there. You could very easily see the Browns uh, coming in and upsetting the Ravens just based on that factor alone. Tell me one team in the AFC that you would say definitely will beat the Browns in the postseason. I don't think there is one. I don't I don't I certainly don't think the Chiefs are going to be one. Like I just said, I don't think the Ravens are going to be one of those teams. I don't think the Dolphins are going to be one of those teams. Hell, I don't think that the Bills are going to be one of those teams. And I think the Bills are playing outside of the Ravens, probably the second best in the AFC right now as far as like quality of play at the moment. I mean, they're they're on fire at the moment. So, but the Browns, man. Again, this is all like at the end of the season. I think I said this in relation to the Bills last week, or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Time is a flat circle at this point. You know how it is. Um, I I just got a feeling, man, this, uh, this Browns team, if, if you just get hot at the end of the season, uh, good things happen. It, it happened to the Giants back in the day. It could happen to the Browns here in this one. Will be an improbable run, but... Is it so improbable that I would be surprised if the Browns just start reeling off wins here? No, it is not. And I feel I feel really good about this team right now. Now, with that said, could they also lose in the first round? Certainly. Certainly. But if Joey Flacco gets hot with that defense, man, this could be uh this could be a magical run over there. Oh, excuse me, with the Cleveland Browns. And piggybacking off of that, um Kevin Stefanski, clear coach of the year. I think we can all kind of agree on that. I think there's a little bit, a little bit of Shane Steichen buzz, um, all that sort of stuff. But uh, Kevin Stefanski, uh, not having his his franchise quarterback, the franchise quarterback not playing well, by the way, not having the best running back in the league for pretty much the entire season in Nick Chubb, and still getting ten wins out of it. Um, clear, very clear cut coach of the year. And a hat tip to Jim Schwartz, who was everything that we thought and hoped he would be coming in. I mean, he just, he coordinates with his hair on fire. He has instilled an aggressiveness in this Browns defense that we had not seen in previous years. And that, I think, plus the addition of Zadarius Smith is the big difference in previous years where they were underperforming. And this year, where they're truly living up to uh, that billing with all of that personnel, that all that talent that they have on that defensive side of the ball, uh, yeah, really, just a huge tip of the cap to that coaching staff there uh, for the Cleveland Browns. In my lifetime, this is the this is the very best staff that the Browns have ever had, and that, maybe that's not saying much, but I'm I am endlessly impressed with what they've been able to do in Cleveland with all of the adversity that, that has hit them uh, throughout the course of the season we We'll love to see him going on a little run. If if for no other reason than I, I grew up in and around Baltimore and I remember that run with Joe Flacco and how uh, how magical it was. So, with that said, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll just wait and see uh, on that one. Uh, Lions got their first division title since 1993, back when it was the NFC Central, which, by the way, kids, quick little history lesson. Did you know that the Buccaneers and the uh, the Lions, Vikings, Packers all were in the same division at one point back in the NFC Central days. Boy, those were confusing times, weren't they? Just confusing times all around. Uh, but I digress on that point. Uh, so yeah, they hadn't won the division since 1993 back when it was the NFC Central. So by default, this is their very first time winning the NFC North, which is just, it boggles my mind. The, the fact that they have not won a division title in 30 years, my God, the things that, that Detroit has has been through, just unreal. But yeah, hat tip more so than anyone else, I would say, to, uh, to Dan Campbell and the job that he has done there for the last three years. It was bad in year one. They kicked it into gear down the stretch of that season. It was bad to start last season, then they kicked it into the stretch uh, at the end of that year. Pissed straight in the Packers Cheerios at the end of the year, which I think really kind of juiced them, jump-started them into this season. Then you, you see what they've done this year. The defense hasn't been spectacular, uh, but 11-4, and four, they're division champs. They're going to be hosting a playoff game uh, with a starved fan base that has not been this excited in years upon years on upon years. Very emotional um, times in Detroit and you just gotta you gotta tip your hats to them. Do I think they're, again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again here, I don't think they're a team that is built to go deep in the playoffs, but hey, I'm not here to rain on anyone's parade. I think they're in prime position to at least win a playoff game. Um, well, they could also be facing Matt Stafford in the first round, which would be uh, quite awkward, quite awkward. Also would put the, the final feather in the cap as far as um, heartbreaking ways to lose if their old quarterback Matt Stafford comes into the building and beats them in the first round of the playoffs which i am a Vikings fan i you know i wouldn't say that wouldn't be fucking hilarious i mean it, it would it absolutely would be hilarious and kind of rooting for it a little bit but but if they do win i'm not going to be too offended either because the Vikings ain't going to really win shit either way uh yeah speaking of which one more congratulations, to the Lions fans! Slaps, clap it up! Slaps, snaps, clap it up! Uh, you guys, you guys did a good job over there. Um, they did beat the Vikings to get this uh, to, to get this division title, though. And uh, yeah, the, the the Vikings are just in shambles right now. I mean, Nick Mullins threw four interceptions. It'll be Jaron Hall uh, starting this upcoming week versus the the. Uh, Green Bay Packers That'll be on Sunday night That that should actually be a good game I'm looking forward to that one Also Jair Alexander Oh my goodness We'll, we'll talk about that one in just a bit But that's maybe the, the most hilarious suspension of all time Put a pin in that for right now uh, We're talking about the Vikings Hawkinson Torres ACL MCL Which by the way Yes Kirby Joseph went low No guys It was not a dirty hit um I swear to God, Twitter fans for NFL teams are maybe the most brain dead group on the on the face of the earth. Um Vikings fans are, are a special kind of brain dead sometimes. They have some, some wild ideas as to uh, as to the future of the Vikings. Today I saw someone say uh they wouldn't mind having um Russell Wilson as the quarterback for next year. Just yeah cool yeah that totally forgot about what we saw in the previous year and also just totally forgot about the fact that we already have Kirk Cousins in the building probably could get him for a lesser price point this dude was also saying I wouldn't mind having Russell Wilson for 30 to 35 a year what are you yeah so that that is all to say we we have some stupid people rooting for the Minnesota Vikings. That's, that's all for damn. Sure, we'll, we'll leave that there. We'll talk about Russell Wilson in due time. Yeah, we got injuries piling up left and right. Uh, DJ Wanham tore his quad. Uh, he'll be out for the rest of the season. Uh, like I said, on the verge of going back to Jaron Hall, that made KOC made that official today. They are back to Jaron Hall because Mick, Nick Mullins plays like an insane person. I believe he had like seven interceptions over the course of two weeks. Just an absolute mad lad playing with his damn hair on fire and not in a good way. Um, not to mention these dipshit fans are trying to run KOC out of town. Like he didn't just take us to 13 and four last year. And if, if Kirk Cousins was in there, they might be a 12 win team again. They have been hot as shit. I mean, as far as the the defense goes down the stretch. Honestly, if Kirk Cousins were in there, this is a better team than what we had last year no make no mistake about it the defense is much better than it was last year and with Kirk Cousins in there uh, the offense was would probably be just as good if not even better with the emergence of Jordan Addison out there so I, I I don't have any time for the people saying to fire KOC thank God none of those dipshits work in the front office of the Vikings so yeah that that's good um also, he made a slam dunk hire at defensive coordinator after making a dud hire in Ed Donatel. I mean, Brian Flores is an absolute stud at defensive coordinator. And it also looks like uh, we're going to trade up uh, if we're going to need to trade up if we want a QB. Uh, things are weird right now in Minneapolis. That's, uh, that's, that's the best way I can put it. Um, and I still feel roughly how I did... Uh, few weeks ago, whenever Kirk Cousins initially tore his, his Achilles, I I think he signed him to another one-year deal. Probably at a reasonable rate, whatever reasonable happens to be for a guy uh, coming off of an Achilles injury in his, his mid to upper 30s. I feel like you know that's probably the best situation for for both sides there. Uh, Kirk Cousins gets a, another one-year prove-it deal to uh, you know show people that he can still sling the pill down the field. I have no reason to suspect that he won't be able to, other than the Achilles tear. But never a guarantee when a guy's coming back from something like that. So get another prove-it deal, uh, trade up in the draft. Draft the quarterbacks is probably what we're going to need to do. I don't love it, but you know. The Cardinals are sitting there at number 3 and I don't think they're going to trade Kyler Murray. That is prime time position uh for someone to draft a quarterback. Feels like a possible trade up spot. We're going to have to give up the entire fucking farm uh to go up and do it, but if it gets us a guy like Jaden Daniels, I am all here for it. And I, I don't think Jaden Daniels is slipping out of the top 5, certainly not out of the top 10. So we're going to have to trade up for a guy like that. And if I all of the guys in this draft I, I'll, I'll take it or leave it with Caleb Williams. I'll take it or leave it with Drake May. Give me Jaden Daniels, man. He is a stud. There is a reason he he's going to win the he, or he already won the Heisman. Rather, what am I talking about? Um, he's a stud. People forget he's six four as well. He looks to me like a like a Lamar Jackson who has more accuracy coming out that is that is what he looked like this past year and you have seen consistent improvement in ways that you used to actually didn't see with Lamar Jackson in college Lamar Jackson was just an athletic freak from start to finish and you know, people weren't sure about him so he slipped all the way to 32 because of that that accuracy that the questions about consistent accuracy ever since Jaden Daniels got to LSU he has incrementally improved over and over and over again and you know what that reminds me of Dak fucking Prescott with Mississippi State. He was a bad passer whenever he first got in. Then he became a bad passer who was a good runner, who was you know could hit some throws every once in a while. To him in his final year, being a very good passer and a very proficient runner. And now we've seen what he's done at the NFL level. I think Jaden Daniels could have that similar uh, sort of career arc, and he is more physically talented than what Dak is. So yeah, give me give me Jaden Daniels if we can trade up and get him. There's going to be a lot of takers there for, for that number three picker wherever uh, the Cardinals end up picking. But that's the one. that That's the one that's going to be in the top five that I don't think is going to be in the market for a new quarterback. Um, so that that's probably the one that's going to be open for business. That's probably the spot where the Vikings may want to trade into uh, when it's all said and done. But, yeah, it's weird times in Minneapolis. And I, th- I think they could still technically make the playoffs. They're 7-8. Uh, at that point, hopefully we will be starting Jaron Hall. Uh, who's to say at this point? I mean, four starting quarterbacks this year. It's been an absolute mess from start to finish. Got injuries up and down the roster. We are literally limping into the finish at this point. So, cool. Would would love to have a, a playoff game. Would love to go to the playoffs. If not, I mean, my eyes are all, all towards the future here and um, it's it's going to be interesting. I think Got a couple huge contracts possibly coming up this year uh, with the Neil Hunter and Justin Jefferson this offseason, in addition to whatever you do with Kirk Cousins. So uh, big decision time uh, for Kwezi atofo at Mensa. Got a lot more cap space this year, which should help, but a uh, lot, of, lot of decisions on the horizon for the Vikings. So uh, with that said, let's move on from here. Uh, commies, they benched Sam Howell for Jacoby Brissett and the Giants. Uh, bench Tommy DeVito for Tyrod Taylor. Both of those guys, Bursett and Taylor, will be starting in week 17, so one more grazie prego for the road. Good old Italian hands for DeVito. We may never see him again in an NFL game. Certain, well, I don't want to say certainly, but probably not for the Giants. Um, yeah, it was a good run while it lasted. We may never see Sean Stellato again on the face of this earth. Uh, who knows where the hell Sean Stellato is going to go. I know for a fact though, he's going to be dressing sharp. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was fun while it lasted. Um, Jacoby Brissett, probably better than Sam Howell. And, uh, there you go. Now you have an answer, uh, as to the QB situation. I think you pretty definitively landed on that. Um, yeah, Probably don't have the answer for future at QB uh, in the in the building right now. It seems like they're going for a full sweep on the house cleaning from starting quarterback uh, to head coach to GM uh, when it's all said and done this offseason. The 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 commies are just a terrible football team, and the Giants aren't a very good football team either. But at least they have a good head coach and Brian Thayball, uh, w- which helps the situation uh, when you're looking to rebuild going forward. But not even really Daniel Jones has played that well this year uh, on that team, so they they got some some real situations going on over there. But uh, yeah, once again, good night, my sweet Italian stallion, Prince Tommy DeVito. It was it was fun while it lasted, and uh, you know, shouts out to all the people that got um, Tommy DeVito merchandise on Christmas. And open those presents as Tommy DeVito was being benched at halftime. Uh, my my thoughts and prayers are with you, but mostly just uh, my 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 uncontrolled laughter because that's pretty fucking funny. Um, here we go. Let's get to Russell Wilson. It's Jared Stidham time in Denver. Looks like Wilson's time with the Broncos is coming to an end. Jared Stidham will get the start through the end of the season. Um, this is financial related. It's not like Russell Wilson was playing terribly. I think they're definitely kind of um, calling an offense around Russell Wilson's limitations. Let's just say, um, and it, I think it's a lot of credit to uh, to Sean Payton for the the 26 and nine touchdown to interception ratio this year. But the uh, fact of the matter was that kind of felt like this was maybe not going to happen. Maybe maybe they weren't going to bench him. I thought they would still probably part with him this offseason. It's a massive dead cap hit, though. Get dead cap hit. Uh, either they're going to be taking like an unprecedented like, $85, $89 million dead cap hit next year, or if it's a June 1, uh, they're spacing that $80-some million dollar cap hit over the course of two years. Either way, they're going to be taking a massive dead cap hit if they cut Russell Wilson. However... Uh, they will be saving money if he doesn't get injured because he has $37 million on his contract. It becomes guaranteed this offseason if he cannot pass a physical, meaning it is injury guaranteed. Uh, so um, there's rumblings, unconfirmed rumblings. I think it's, that's worth pointing out here, but rumblings from insiders who would know this sort of thing um, that the the organization approached Russell Wilson earlier in the season about restructuring his contract to to waive the, the guarantees left in his contract so they could get out of it. Um, obviously, Russell Wilson was saying, uh, go to hell. I don't owe you shit. You signed me to this contract. Uh, live with the consequences. And then later on in the year, they were like, okay, with that being said, might as well save money where we can and save that $37 million, sit Russell Wilson. Um it, <laughs> Screams dirty business, and it screams a lot of penny pinching. But um, what were you guys expecting from uh, from Walmart uh, management and ownership, which is what the Penners are? Uh, the Greg Penner is he married into the Walmart family or Walton family, uh, who owns Walmart? So this is if you know anything about the way Walmart does business. You probably shouldn't expect them to spend huge money uh, when it comes to uh, how they run a franchise and expect them to pinch pennies uh, when they can, which is absolutely uh, what they are doing here. So yeah, it's going to be Jared Thidham on the way out here uh, for Denver. And then going forward, I don't know what the hell the Denver Broncos are planning to do next year. I think they might just be, I mean, without saying it outwardly, what they do with that cap hit is going to be telling. I think if they if they designate uh, Russell Wilson as a post-June 1st cut, um, I think that tells me they're probably still trying to to win a lot of games next year. I also wouldn't be shocked, though, if they just said, look, um, we're going to need some good draft position to get some really good players in the building. Uh, let's just take a ginormous cap hit this upcoming year. Uh Eat the whole 80-some million. We're not going to have zero uh, flexibility in free agency. It's going to hurt a whole lot. We're probably not going to be very good next year. We're not going to be able to sign a really high-quality quarterback, but we're going to have a really good draft position the next year so we can just reload. No one's going to outwardly say that, but the Texans just did it for years on years uh, down there in 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 Houston and then ultimately uh, ended up hiring D'Amico Ryans and, and drafting Uh, Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud, you see what they're doing now this year. So it's not like it doesn't work out. It is unethical, to say the least, especially in a football setting where guys are just ripping their bodies apart uh, 17 times a year. Um, It's not unprecedented, though, and it's something that I think they really are going to take a look at. And and honestly, I would not be surprised if they just you ate it for this upcoming year and just go full tank mode for a season before reloading and getting back to it. I think there's going to be a wholesale cleaning of the house uh, this upcoming year. I don't know what they're going to do with George Payton, man. He's the one that made this terrible trade, signed probably the worst contract uh, in NFL history uh, with Russell Wilson. I mean, top five worst trade and top five worst contract in NFL history that he executed and signed uh, with this Russell Wilson deal. So, yeah, he's... I mean, almost single-handedly the reason uh, why the Broncos are in this situation. So I hope he is on his Major League smoozing shit right now because, boy, his seat has got to be hotter than just about anyone else in the building right now. I don't know what the hell uh, the future holds in store for George Payton, but it feels like wholesale house cleaning is coming. I think that maybe they trade Patrick Sertan. I think that's a guy that you would like to build around. I mean, elite corners just don't grow on trees, man. And that's a, that's a staple that you can build an entire defense around. If you can get an edge rusher as well, I mean, that's a, that's a staple for uh, a top 10 defense year after year if you have those two guys uh, in the building. So I think you probably keep Patrick Sertan. You probably keep Cortland Sutton if you can. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, maybe the free agents they just signed this past off season. Many of them are safe. Um, Everything that's not nailed down, it's fire sale time, baby. I feel like they're about to hit a bit of a reset button. Um, I'm not sure Sean Payton is going to love it. I think he's one of those guys that hates losing more than just about anything else uh, on this earth. But I think he also wants to get his his guys and his personnel in there, and right now does not seem to be the case. Uh, And with all that said. Feels like George Payton might not be the one to uh, be making those moves. Feels like there's going to be a new GM there in Denver in due time, if I had to guess. But, uh, hey, that's going to be a messy situation for the offseason, to say the least. A messy situation. What are we doing on time right now? 45 minutes? We're making we're making good enough time. We're making good enough time, right? Uh, yeah, Chargers surprisingly released team captain Sebastian Joseph Day uh, last week before their loss to the Bills. Narrow loss, by the way. I mean, the Niners claimed Sebastian Joseph Day off of waivers pretty much immediately. Um, I don't think he played in that, that game against the uh, the Ravens. That's a good, good defensive tackle, though. I think Sebastian Joseph Day wasn't the problem. He was a team captain for the Chargers, though which, I mean, they were a bad culture, and you could see that from a mile away, so understandable why you think you need to set a tone, uh, send send out some of the old guard to send a message to the locker room, uh, get things to change a little bit. But for right now, I mean, yeah, I, I understand it, but that's he was not the problem, I don't think, and I don't think it's going to get better without him in the building. I think he makes that, that, that 49ers defensive line that much more formidable. And, and on a team that... I mean, outside of Javon Hargrave, don't really have that elite defensive tackle uh, opposite of Javon Hargrave. I think having Sebastian Joseph Day in there, don't get me wrong, I don't think he's an elite defensive tackle. I think he's a very, very good defensive tackle, uh, being borderline Pro Bowl uh, sort of player there, uh, which that'll do nothing but help the 49ers defensive front. I think that's definitely going to help them uh, down the stretch and a huge pickup for them on the waiver wire. I can't believe that he made it all the way down to the 49ers on the waiver wire, quite frankly. So, Good pickup for them. Chargers. The Chargers is the Chargers. They're a they're a big old mess over there. Uh, Mason Rudolph, he will get to start next week after he uh and Mostly George Pickens, I would say. Almost entirely George Pickens. Uh, torched the Bengals this last week. Uh, only way it could have been better is if he'd have done it on Sunday, if it were Christmas Eve. And then we could say, then one foggy Christmas Eve, uh, you know, Santa came to say, uh, Rudolph with your nose so bright, could you guide the Steelers' offense tonight? And then, you know, he throws for whatever it was, just below 300. I mean, literally, I, I, need, to, I need to look up the uh, the statistics, statistics here. Um, he didn't. He didn't throw over 300, I don't think. George Pickens had four receptions for 195 yards. Um, that was, I mean, only like a like less than 100 yards to the rest of the receiving core uh, did Mason Rudolph throw. I mean, he ended up with like 10.7 yards per attempt, two touchdowns. Again, both of them to George Pickens, by the way, uh, one of them being an 86-yard touchdown. Uh, so, I mean, hey, he he played better than Mitch Trubisky. I'll say that for damn sure. And then you had the, I mean, Najee Harris playing well, uh, but just just the offense in, in general playing well. The defense picking off Jake Browning three times. I mean, just a good, solid performance from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now, once again, they are one win away from the uh, from 18th, I believe, straight. Uh, non-losing season. They got a win. I mean, two tough road games to end off the season. One at Seattle, and then one at the Ravens to end this thing off. But, I mean, if they just win one of those games, once again, it is another winning season for Mike Tomlin, and uh, he's going to have that opportunity to go out there and hire another offensive coordinator, which we'll see how it works this time around. But for right now, uh, Mason Rudolph is going to get to start uh, this next week versus the Seattle Seahawks. So, Cool. We'll see how that goes. Uh Seems like Kenny Pickett is right on the verge of coming back. So <clears throat> whether it's this week or next week, um, it seemed like Mike Tomlin was entirely noncommittal as to who's going to be the starting quarterback. Feels like it's one of those things where they're going to start Mason Rudolph this week and then... uh If Kenny Pickett is feeling good, he'll be back for that Ravens game to end off the season. I still think Kenny Pickett is uh, the very best quarterback option that you've got in the building right now. Um, Still didn't get a whole lot of touchdowns throughout his time starting, but didn't turn the ball over for about a a million weeks straight pretty much. So um, I think he still gives you the best chance to win when it's all uh, said and done over there. George Pickens, though, that four receptions, 195 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he, He basically said the whole blocking out the noise, which obviously you were listening, but that's neither here nor there. Gonna need that on, on a more consistent basis, though, George. And also maybe block on a more consistent basis. That would help uh, as well. You you can't just you can't just do the receiving stuff uh, without doing some blocking. Otherwise, the offense is gonna be inconsistent. But neither here nor there. Um, good for him for silencing the haters, I suppose. Though you know you're not gonna you're not gonna silence me for too long. All right, I'm a quiet guy, but you know, it's sometimes when there's a microphone in front of you, you do have to talk. So that's where we're at right now. Uh the Jags uh might not be that good. Just might not be that good at all. Uh <laughs> uh Trevor Lawrence had one of those hits where I mean they got a they got a good shot of him barely even looking like a human uh at the end of this thing. I don't know why the hell people keep popping up uh on my computer. I guess guess steam is open, whatever. Uh I digress on that front. Uh, but yeah, the, the Trevor Lawrence barely even looking like a human the dude was just I mean getting depleted in one of those uh, one of those pictures uh, now he's got a, a shoulder injury as well in addition to uh, the concussion the high ankle sprain. Um I don't know the the lacerated spleen. I mean there there's a bevy of injuries that uh that that Trevor Lawrence is at. I'm, I'm joking about the lacerated spleen by the way. I feel like we would have heard about that one, but he's just been he's been banged up all year. Uh the Jaguars have not been good. Um it it feels like now is probably a time for him to miss a game just to kind of, you know, reset things a little bit. Uh, I mean, get a little bit healthy. I mean, my God, the guy has just been getting destroyed this year. That Jags offensive line has been, I mean, nothing short of a complete disaster. They have been really, really bad this year. Um, I think the Press-Taylor experiment, probably done. Probably done after this year. Um, But, yeah, it's just kind of, it is what it is there. The Jags just are not a very good football team at the moment. They're not a very good football team. Uh, They're still, I believe leading the the AFC South there's three teams right now tied at 8 and 7 which is whew, that's uh that's a that's a log jam I'll tell you what and I'd say yep literally not a single team in the AFC South has a positive point differential right now so that should tell you Pretty much everything you need to know. I think the, the best point differential in the AFC South is Houston at minus three, and they just got mollywopped by the Cleveland Browns uh, last week. We'll have to see what happens with uh, with C.J. Stroud if he comes back off of the, uh, the concussion protocol, which I think he is. I think so. I haven't really heard much about that, but I think so. I'm fairly certain he's going to be coming back uh, off the concussion protocol uh, this upcoming week, but yeah, I mean... As far as schedules go down the stretch, the Jaguars do have kind of a, a couple cupcakes here. Well, maybe not cupcakes, but Panthers should win that one. Panthers have been playing better here of recent, but uh, still a team that you should beat. They're 2-13 and 13 for a reason. And then you're at the Titans, which... Boy, it's gonna be a Mike Vrabel special. I I have a I have a a big feeling that Mike Vrabel is gonna win that one and just take a massive beer-fueled piss uh in the uh, in the Jaguars Cheerios when it's all said and done. But uh, yeah, Jags just aren't that good. Uh they should be a lot better. I think losing Christian Kirk has hurt them in a myriad ways. They they have not been they have not been good at all since Christian Kirk went out uh against the Bengals, I believe it was. Um, believe that that was a Thursday night game uh Christian Kirk is just the straw that stirs the drink on that offense for like for whatever reason he just he shreds man coverage uh he gets open all the time and without him there it just doesn't feel like the offense works at all also helps uh when your quarterback is you know not hobbled and you know walking on a bionic leg that that certainly helps things out uh, at the end of the day but Christian Kirk just makes everything easier for everyone, and not having him in there has been a serious blow uh, to this uh, to this Jaguars offense. So, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think they're that good. Don't think they're that good. And in an in an AFC, that's pretty much. I mean, anyone's game. I don't think it's. I don't think it's anyone in the AFC South's game right now. Quite frankly, I think there's a couple up and coming teams. Uh, no team that really jumps off the page right now as far as. Uh, uh, teams that are any good, quite frankly. Uh teams that are any good. All right, so we got anything else? Oh uh, yeah. It's college football playoff is here. Uh they coming up on Monday. Uh, Monday is the is the uh semifinal game. I gotta look back. I gotta look back at that real quick. Uh what do, what do we got? Yeah, yeah, they're both on Monday. Yeah, both on Monday. We got a loaded slate of bowls on Monday, actually. But uh, uh, both the college football playoffs semifinals are here. The early game, we got Alabama-Michigan. And in the late game, it's Texas-Washington. I think I'm going to be recording that episode on Tuesday. That would make a lot of sense. I Otherwise, I'd be having to miss football uh, to record this uh, podcast, which wouldn't make much sense at all. So, yeah, we're going to be... that. Uh, uh, episodes coming out on Wednesday for that one Wednesday so yeah it's gonna be awesome uh, let's just enjoy this last four team playoff uh before it gets ruined next season by that stupid 12 team model and their dumbass automatic qualifying <sighs> don't get me started on that man I'm I'm pissed off at that one but I think this is gonna be the best 14 playoff that we've had certainly the best matchups that we've had there's no team that you could say like oh they got in because they had they were the most deserving had the best resume. All these teams are both deserving and um, have just great football teams. I think they legitimately got the four best football teams in uh, this year, which has not been the same uh, in the past. But, I mean, Alabama-Michigan, that's a banger of a matchup. Uh, Texas-Washington, I think that's going to be points, points, points. And uh, with that said, is it time for me to make some picks I think it's time for me to make a few picks um, Just We'll just get these out right now First and foremost, let's get the NFL pick out of the way I got the Niners minus 13.5 at the commies It's actually moved, uh, I believe, a half a point in the favor uh, of the commies Since I, I made this pick, just because jo- Jacoby Brissett got announced as the starter Niners are going to beat the shit out of the commies, I think So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, feeling pretty good about that one The other three, I got four picks this week Because boy, your boy has been getting raked over the coals Actually, we'll say five, because I didn't I did bet on the Browns, so well you know I had the Browns minus seven and a half there uh, to this to this docket of picks. So there you go, two NFL picks, three college football picks, all coming on this Monday night uh, playoff matchup. I I love Bama at plus one and a half. I think you get them at plus two actually um, now. I just feel like Michigan has not faced a team the likes of Alabama all year, man. I even Ohio State. Uh, the Ohio State didn't have a quarterback like Jalen Um didn't have a, a defense. Well, they did have a defense kind of like, like Alabama, but there was no offense-defense combo like you're going to see with Alabama. Quite frankly, in the Big Ten, there was not an offense-defense combo uh, like there was over in Alabama. Do I think that means Alabama is going to run away with this? I do not. I do not think so whatsoever. I think it's going to be a close game, but I just think Alabama has the edge there uh, with just, I mean... I don't know about physicality. I think physicality probably plays in Michigan's hands a little bit more, but I just feel like Alabama's going to get a couple big plays uh, throughout the course of this game. Jalen is going to make a couple ridiculous, uh, un- unlikely athletic uh, feats uh, throughout the course of this one. And they're going to be off to the races. They're going to win this one, be going to the national title uh, when it's all said and done. See, so, yeah, I got Alabama plus one and a half, and... I got Washington plus four, man. I think there's a lot, been a lot of love for Texas, which honestly, understandable. Understandable. Texas is a damn good football team. They're a damn good offense. And Washington's defense hasn't been great either. I think this is going to be a shootout, man. Um, so I got Washington plus four. I got the over at 63 and a half, too. I think we're going to get a lot of points in this one. I don't I don't think. And it, I mean, it's not really much of a, a slight to Texas's secondary, though. I believe they're like a hundred some ranked passing defense. Um, not a very good passing defense uh, this year. Um, and Washington has three guys in Roma Dunze, uh, Jalen McMillan, and there's one guy. There's always one guy in this. Makai Polk, not Makai Polk. Jalen Polk. Sorry. Sorry about that. But those, those three guys, Polk, McMillan, and Dunze, all three of those guys are probably going in the top three rounds in the draft. And I'm being generous with the top three rounds. They may all go in the top two. They have the best wide receiver core in the entire country. Do the Washington Huskies? I think they're going to score, maybe not at will, but they're going to score on this Texas defense. I think Texas is going to score on them. I think this is going to be a shootout. But ultimately, I love. Washington to come out here and win this game in a thriller. Give me Washington in this one. Give me the over. Give me points, points, points. I love that nightcap. I love, love, love that nightcap uh, with the uh, with the Texas Washington game there. So yeah, love all that. Lo- love all that college football playoff action. It's going to be uh, probably the best one uh, that we've ever had. And like I said, I'm going to enjoy it because next year. I I hope the games are good, guys. I'll just put it that way. I hope the games are good. I don't feel like they will be. But that's it. That's put a pin on that discussion for now. Uh let's just kind of, you know, do a little little roundup around bowl season, I guess, outside of that. Um West Virginia, they are the Mayo Kings. They beat North Carolina 30 to 10 in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh you know, co- coach of the West Virginia uh, Mountaineers got a a, a just fantastic mayo bath after that one. College football is awesome, man. College football is just awesome. Uh, Virginia Tech blew out Tulane in the military bowl at 41-20. Bowl season is weird. There you have it. Um, Outside of that, oh yeah, Miller Moss, uh, the guy that was just left over after everyone else left USC, uh, he threw six touchdowns. In the, uh, in the Holiday Bowl versus Louisville. Six, 372 and six touchdowns uh, in the Holiday Bowl for Miller Moss. Uh, that's crazy, crazy stuff. USC, at, at the very least, puts a bow on the season. Uh, you're putting the bow on a shit sandwich, though, unfortunately. Uh, big change is coming defensively for that team next year. We'll have to see if it all comes through uh, for Lincoln Riley. Kansas. Got their first nine-win season in about a million years. Jason Bean had six touchdowns of his own in this game. Uh, gonna be—I mean, he's been in college for like six years at this point. I think he's probably graduating after this year. Uh, but you know, hopefully, get Jalen Daniels back. The presumptive—I mean, Big Twelve preseason Player of the Year, Jalen Daniels. Uh, he's already said he's coming back for it the next year. Hopefully, he stays healthy this time. I believe you're also getting Devin Neal back. Uh, really, really solid team there with Kansas. And they somehow kept Lance Leipold uh, as their head coach through this hiring cycle, which is nothing short of a miracle, I think. he. Hell, I wanted him as the Mississippi State coach, quite frankly. I'm happy with the hire of Jeff Levy. Uh, but, yeah, I think Kansas got themselves a good one there in Lance Leipold. So, good for them. Um, outside of that, what else we got? Northwestern got a bull win. Hey, Shouts out. Shouts out to him. I mean, 8-5 on the year. I mean, just played an absolute snoozer of a game versus Utah. I mean, 14-7 the final in that one. But credit where it is due, Northwestern has been um, way, way better than I think anyone in the country outside of the greater Chicago area expected. So uh, hats off to them. Uh, Air Force I mean, who do you think was going to win in the Armed Forces Bowl? I mean, James Madison had themselves a hell of a season, finished 11-2. I mean, but Air Force, you're playing in the Armed Forces Bowl. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Air Force wins 31-21. What else is new, my friend? Uh, And then outside of that, meh, meh, meh. A lot lot of meh going on. Uh, So, yeah, what do we got coming up? Well, on Friday, when this is coming out, you got Clemson versus Kentucky, uh, which I believe you're gonna get both starting quarterbacks there. I don't I don't know what Devin Leary is gonna do. I don't think he's much of a pro prospect, quite frankly. So maybe he starts could be cool. Uh you got Oregon State versus Notre Dame up there in the Sun Bowl. Um, I have no idea who's starting at quarterback for either of those teams. I don't know what Sam Hartman's doing. Um, I know you're not going to have DJ Uyunglele, Uyunglele or um, Aiden Childs. Aiden Childs already transferred over to Michigan State. DJ U is still waiting uh, to make his decision as far as where he's transferring. Um, so who's to say on that one? Um, Notre Dame, I have no clue who the backup is there or what Sam Hartman is doing. So who, who's to say? That's the real question. Who's to damn say? Why the hell does it keep... Popping up that people are playing a game. They've been playing the same game over and over again. I don't know what the hell what the hell is going on, but I digress. Um, Memphis fighting the the fighting Marty Verzax of Iowa State. Iowa State favored by ten and a half in that one. I believe uh, Rocco Beck will be playing in that game. I think that's probably the biggest uh, uh, the biggest differentiator. Um, he's a, a stud freshman, I believe, like freshman of the year uh, in the in the Big Twelve and. Um, that guy that got suspended for the whole year, I don't think he's coming back. I think he got someone in Rocco Beck there at, at the starting quarterback going forward for Matt Campbell and the boys. Hey, you can get a you can get a ticket to this one for twenty six dollars. That's that's a bargain right there for a college football game. If you're in the greater Memphis area, why not? Why not? Really all these games that I'm talking about, I mean the 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 highest ticket price on Friday for one of these bowl games is uh $53 for Missouri-Ohio State, which is the final game, uh, the nightcapper. That one's in Arlington, Texas. That's the Cotton Bowl in Arlington, Texas uh, at, at Jerry World. I mean, if if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I mean, $53, not a bad price to pay. I mean, Devin Brown's not terrible. I mean, he didn't start over Kyle McCord, but he's not terrible. Um, I think, uh... T- Oof, I forget the I forget the Missouri quarterback's name already. I, I apologize. Uh, Brady Cook, Brady Cook. I think he's starting in the bowl game. I, I'm fairly certain. Um, I think think Cody Schrader is starting in the bowl game as well. So you're probably not gonna you're definitely not gonna get a Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, in the bowl game. But man, fifty three dollars. You probably pay a hundred. You're right down there in a good seat. I mean, what better? I mean, maybe if you have a life and friends, you're going out to the bars. But a hundred dollars for watching a top ten matchup on on Friday night? Are you kidding me? I'd go to that in a heartbeat if I was in the area, man. That sounds fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's that's going to be a a fun one, I suppose. Um, Ole Miss, Penn State, Penn State's still favored in this one, actually. Ole Miss is playing everybody. I mean everybody is playing for Ole Miss right now. I'm talking Jackson Dart, Quinshawn Judkins. I mean I, Harris is playing in this game. Uh, their number one wide receiver for Ole Miss. Um, yeah, this this just feels like I I stay tuned. I it, it all kind of depends on what the, uh, the the next couple nights hold uh for your boy here. I I think I might bet on Ole Miss, man. That just that line doesn't seem right. I feel like I mean it, they also got opt outs on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know what Olu is going to do for Penn State either. This just feels like one team with a loaded cupboard and one that's got a bare ass cupboard uh in Penn State and somehow the team with the bare ass cupboard is still favored. I don't understand. I feel like Ole Miss is gonna end up winning that one. But uh yeah, that's that's the that's the the Peach Bowl uh over there in Georgia, which by the way more expensive than the Cotton Bowl, but still seventy-three dollars as your as your cheapest ticket there uh, for what should be a quality matchup. That is that's a bargain. My goodness, go get it while it's hot, folks. There are some very cheap bowl game tickets that you can get your hands on, uh, whether you're an invested person or you just like the the sport of college football. This is a this is a good time of year if you're looking for cheap tickets. That's for damn sure. Um, Auburn, Maryland, in the Music City Bowl over there in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, that's that's a game. That, that is certainly a game that is going to be happening in Nashville, Tennessee at Nissan Stadium where the Titans play. And um, yeah, that's all i got to say about that. I don't know who's starting for either of those teams, quite frankly. I, I assume Talia tonga is starting. Not much of a reason to sit out, but uh, I digress on that front. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Georgia-Florida State. I believe even the backup quarterback for Florida State has entered the transfer portal so that guy that started for uh, uh for for Florida State in the the ACC championship game you know the one uh the guy that couldn't put up 20 points on a average Louisville defense yeah that's that's the one um yeah he will be starting in this one and you have got Carson Beck who is coming back for another year. He will be starting in this game. Um, you've got a full complement of Georgia Bulldogs outside of the ones that enter the transfer portal. Uh, the line is minus 20 in favor of the Bulldogs. And uh, I'll just let you in on a secret, boys. Um, I bet this game, and I bet, uh, bet it at 19.5 on Georgia. I don't think I'm going to add that to the picks. Actually, you know what? Mama didn't raise no bitch. So yeah, the, the Cleveland Browns, I gotta put this in my notes before I forget, but yeah, Cleveland Browns minus seven and a half. Um and the uh the Georgia Bulldogs at minus nineteen and a half. I I feel I feel like Georgia could win this one by forty, guys. I, I, I have a I have a feeling that um Florida State's not gonna score ten points in this game. I uh, for all the belly aching about like yeah were, were they deserving of going to the playoff yada 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 they won the ACC they won a power five championship were undefeated sure maybe you are the most deserving I think Georgia feels like they were the most deserving too and they have a full complement of players that are going to be pissed off I mean mad that they did not make it uh, to the college football playoff. I think Georgia's going to win by about a million points. I think they're going to just beat the life out of Florida State in this game. So, uh yeah, that's going to be one to watch. Uh, I think we're going to be watching a live murder on national television in that one. I think Georgia's going to win, and they're going to win big. Um, and a little spoiler alert, um, I think I've already called it uh, before this time, but uh, again, here on December 28th of 2023, I am predicting for Georgia to win the national title in 2024. I think I think Carson Beck is going to be a Heisman finalist, and I think Georgia is going to win the national title in 2024. I think they've got all the bones there uh, to have a fantastic season next year. I mean, if they just won the, the SEC championship, they would be in the playoffs this year. So uh, that should tell you all you need to know uh, on that front. They are... They're, they're going to be mean, and they are coming in with a fury of God behind them. They are, I think, they're going to beat the hell out of Florida State. I'll just leave it at that. I've uh, got the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl, uh, Toledo, Wyoming. Toledo, eleven and two, by the way. I mean, the the Rockets are humming right now, absolutely humming uh, at this moment. And you can get a ticket for this if you're in if you're in Tucson. Beautiful, beautiful times, beautiful place out there in Arizona. By the way, I love Arizona, man. I'll tell you what. I don't. I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent. Arizona is one of my favorite states uh, in the entire uh, United States of America, folks. They, it is a beautiful, beautiful state, and you can get the desert, you can get the mountains, you can get all sorts of basically anything you want. It is beautiful out there. If you like nature, uh, Arizona might just be your place to uh, to hang out there for a little bit. But I digress. Um, I don't know a damn thing about Toledo or Wyoming. It should be a fun game, though, or not. Who's to say? Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Wisconsin LSU would be fun if Jaden Daniels was playing, but he's not. Um, So, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a game. Could be a good program builder for Wisconsin. Could be a nice, you know. It's this is really just a springboard in the next season, I would say, for uh for both of these programs. So that's that's pretty much what we're looking at there in the Quest Bowl. Shout out, uh, cowards for not letting Mississippi State defend their Quest Bowl championship, but understandable. You know, you can't let all five and seven teams in. I I understand. I, I get it. Uh, but uh, you know, don't gotta like it. Don't gotta like it. And down there in Tampa, Florida, Raymond James Stadium, good spot. Good spot. Uh, you know, hopefully it's it's just a fraction of as as great as it was last season when Mississippi State uh, won against Illinois in that game in just a just a rock fight of a matchup. So maybe there'll be a little bit more scoring this time around. Um, Liberty playing against Oregon. Hey, this this could have been a playoff matchup. Boy, aren't you guys glad you went to 12 teams and got automatic qualifiers out of the group of five? Man, number 23, Liberty. They. They definitely deserve uh, to be in a 12-team playoff, don't they? I hope Oregon just paints the walls with Liberty's blood in this one. I'm, I'm, I'm in a vindictive mood, quite frankly. Um, the only thing that gives me pause is Bo Nix will not be starting in this one in all likelihood. He's he's gone for the NFL draft. I don't think he's going to start in this one, and I don't know who the backup is for Oregon. Uh, but Liberty played the worst strength of schedule in all of FBS. Not just Group of Five, not just Power Five, which they're not in. Uh, the entire FBS. Out of 133 teams, they were 133rd in strength of schedule. And um, yeah, I think Oregon has feasted on teams like this all year. Not going to have Bo Nix. Don't know about Bucky Irving either. Um, I've, I feel... Um, I feel pretty good that Oregon's gonna win this one and win this one comfortably though. I didn't bet on this one, but minus 17 seems like a like a appropriate line so I, I feel like they're gonna win by at least that much. They're''re they're, they're gonna win pretty emphatically I think um, Iowa versus Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl as well coming up on our our final bowl game to look at here coming up. Um, I think Iowa's got pretty much everyone playing so that that's that's good for them. Um, Joe Milton opted out of this bowl, which seems like kind of an understanding from both sides. I think Joe Milton probably would have played in this game if if Nico Iamaliava wasn't just sitting there behind him. But I feel like, and I don't think anyone's ever going to come out and say anything about this, but I feel like there was a conversation uh, between Joe Milton and the coaching staff, and they came to an understanding like, look, you don't want to get hurt going into the draft. Draft stock is already probably kind of depreciated from where it was at the start of this year. You don't want to make that even worse by getting injured uh, a la Hendon Hooker uh, last year. Why not just get ready for the NFL draft? Meanwhile, we can get a look at the number one overall recruit in 2023, Nico Iamaliava, uh quarterback there, and I think everyone wins in this situation. I am fascinated. This is going to be... Um, a very, very interesting one. I don't remember if I have off on uh, on January 1st. I think I do. I want to say I do. So that might just be a day uh, completely filled with football. This is the 1 o'clock game, though, uh, on ABC, the, the, the Citrus Bowl between Iowa and Tennessee. This is a good test for Nico right out of the gate. I don't know how well he's going to play in this game. Um, but I'm... I am fascinated to see how he performs in this Josh Heupel offense, and obviously it's not the, quite the Josh Heupel offense that we saw last year under Hendon Hooker. But I mean, Josh Heupel with the with the offensive bona fides he has, he's going to get that thing running again. And with Nico in there, a five star guy, a legit bona fide, I mean, number one recruit last last season or coming into this year. I am endlessly curious to see how he performs uh, against this vaunted Iowa defense. And, uh, yeah, with that, looking forward to that. Should be good. Hammer the under at 35 and a half. I just, I, I want it. I want Iowa to end off this season strong with another under. That, that's that's all I want for Christmas, quite frankly. But, uh, yeah, with that, um, been talking for probably, what, an hour and a half? Eh, hour hour 15, hour 16. So yeah, with that, we'll we'll cut it off there. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. Um, Do this a couple times a week. Uh, We don't need to look at week 17 for the NFL. Y'all can look up those games yourself. I feel good about those. I went over the picks. That's pretty much all you need to know. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. We do this a couple times a week. Um, the the days are gonna vary over these next couple weeks, but Tuesday and Thursday, usually what you can expect. Not gonna be like that. Um, next week for sure. Uh, but yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Caleb Burzak. If you can, you can sh- hit me up there. DMs are open, so go ahead, follow me, hit me up there if you want to talk about the show and whatnot. Um, if you want to hit up the email, it's unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com both of those links will be down in the description, but yeah, go ahead, subscribe wherever you're listening to this, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, you name it. Uh, just go ahead, hit subscribe if you're listening to wherever you're listening to it. Um, and yeah, with that said, one thing I learned this week, by total coincidence, the first and last soldiers who died in World War I are buried to each other, uh, buried ne- next to each other in the cemetery in Mons, Belgium just total coincidence. They are buried directly next to each other. Pretty cool pretty poetic coincidence though. Um yeah. With that, y'all have a good one. I will talk to y'all on Wednesday, I suppose. See ya.